0: This week on the Ramblin' Runners podcast, um, it's gonna be an interview this time. Um, This will mark episode 21. And um, this week it's gonna be our friend Abby Diener. She's my wife's friend, Jillian Winters, also my friend. And uh, we're gonna just, we're gonna talk about recent stuff up in St. Louis, like what's going on up there recently. And we're going to talk about some history about where she's from and things that, you know, that she knows of, and it should be pretty interesting. So, um, tune in. I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. Okay, so, hello, Abby. Uh, welcome. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for coming on this week's episode of the Ramblin' Runnels podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me.
0: (laughs) Oh, no problem. Um... Uh Jill's here as well.
1: Hello. Hi Jill.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh so uh, I guess uh, the first thing I'll ask is um so were you excited when uh so, cuz I said this last week uh I didn't get a chance to say it when the the Blues won, you know, the Stanley Cup chip.
1: Oh, absolutely. It was it was thrilling to be in St. Louis at the time.
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, are you a long-time fan?
1: So, yes, I'm not a huge sports fan in general. However, I enjoy hockey and um, the Blues are just, yeah, I've I've always enjoyed going to Blues what? games and and rallying around them. So it was pretty cool.
2: Yes. Abby was especially very excited at having to spend the entire day. At the blues parade and rally, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it was it was really cool. I I wanted to go um, because it's hopefully not a once in a lifetime thing, but it's not something that happens every day. And um, yeah, I, I mean, crowds I don't always do um, very well, and there was a lot of standing and um, you know trying to stand on your tiptoes and see things, but. Um, it was definitely worth going, and I, I was happy to be part of history. Yeah, it would have been fun to be there. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's cool. I wish I could have gone. It was cool seeing your pics and uh, you know, our my brother in law Jill's brother, uh, his pics as well on Facebook. Yeah, yeah so the news-
2: people were there. Yeah, the news feed was just blowing up with it.
0: Yeah, it, it, like you could see the players and everything.
1: Well, yes, you could. I, I was a little bit disappointed with the way that they did the parade because um, they had a lot of people in cars, like um, convertibles, and they had – some of the players were just walking, and if you weren't right up close to the road, you really couldn't see. Um, oh, wow. I was kind of expecting there to be you know, floats or, like, buses that they would be on, and um, some people were, but it was just kind of hit or miss and – we didn't get there early enough to be able to see, you know, the way that I like I I kind of thought the parade was lacking. But I talked to my brother who had a really close spot to the road and he was like, no, it was great. It was a really awesome parade. So it just depended on where you were standing, I guess. Yeah. If
2: I had played super hard all season and won the Stanley Cup and then I was told I'd had to walk in a parade <laughs> i would be so mad i would quit then and there that's no, a really would, good I'd point hands,
1: Yeah. however however the ones who were walking i heard were doing a lot of interacting with fans so that's cool yeah that is oh, fun
0: cool yeah. did you see jordan bennington the goalie
1: i don't know who i saw <laughs> okay I mean, they don't how have could you miss time. that nose
0: <laughs> oh that's fair yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't remember anybody yelling about Bennington, but we didn't stay for the entire parade because it was kind of spaced out um, because there were people doing interviews and interacting with the crowd and taking pictures. So there were there were like five or 10 minute periods where nothing came by, actually, which was kind of different. Um, so the group I was with, we actually just left and walked down to the arch grounds and waited there so that we could see everybody come up on stage and, and see the Stanley cup and everything.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool yeah, that's to, awesome. to see the cup. Cause I mean, yeah. that's one, that's definitely once in a lifetime for sure.
1: Absolutely. We were, we were not going to miss that. So, yeah.
0: So that's, that's, that's awesome. So, outside of that in St. Louis news this year was, what? it flooded up there pretty heavily along the Mississippi River, and this is the, which highest, like fourth or third?
1: I thought it was the second. It's I the second? Oh, okay. I thought it, it, it was just, it was about three feet below the 93 crest. Oh, I wow. Thought- I thought that 93 was the highest, unless there was one a long time before that. But um, it was it was up there anyway.
0: And the, the crest is, uh like, down here, I think it was, uh, like, 40-something. Because, I mean, that's just how the river goes down here. <laughs> and so it was, like, 30-something up there, which, I mean, means a yes. great deal more up there than it does down here.
1: Yes. Yeah, it was, um, it was the most flooded I've ever seen the area and it usually floods every year. And I was around for the 93 flood, but I was only six and I was kind of kept away from that because of course flood water is dangerous and all of that. So I don't, I do remember the flooding happening and how we had lost water, um, at at that time, and we were having to boil water, and um, Anheuser-Busch was putting out cans of water, Um, and this time around, they, that wasn't an issue at all. They have moved the water treatment facility and all of that, so, you know, that was good, but I, 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 didn't remember actually seeing the floodwaters in 93, but walking downtown just a couple weeks ago, it was incredible how high the water was. Um, it's just, wow, you know, you don't, y- you could look out at the river road and not even know that there was a road there, you know, um, the the guardrails were completely covered with water and signs and things like that, and you just had no idea anything even existed there.
2: That Which is, I think, kind of cool, because that's how it used to be, you know, before they yes. put in the railroad tracks and all that stuff is Yeah. at least when Chautauqua first started that you still had to pull up by steamboat or whatever. So, um, yes. it's kind of cool that like over a hundred years later, we get the same vision of what it naturally was. I that's mean, it's a- such that it negatively affects people.
1: Right. But yeah, but. that's exactly what I thought. I mean, if you're going to find a silver lining in the flooding, I hiked up the Centennial Trail at Chautauqua a couple of times um, when the flood was really high, highest stage. And um, you could go out on the, the bluff there and look out. And there, there was no river traffic because it was too high to let barges through, or and it wasn't safe for boats to be on. So there's no river traffic. The road was completely covered. So obviously, there's no traffic there either. Usually, when you hike that trail, you hear a lot of noise from cars. You see cars. Um, it was totally silent, except for the occasional airplane. Um, but even the the airport in St. Charles was underwater, so there weren't even small planes coming and going very often. And it was really beautiful and really peaceful. And I just sat up there and um, watched. Um, hawks flying a, f- a hawk flew right in front of my face you know it was oh, it was wow. just, oh my gosh That's it was pretty cool. cool it was just very still and peaceful and undisturbed and I just looked out and I thought this is probably how the Native Americans saw things
0: yeah did you see any like hawks go and get fish or anything like that that would be pretty cool
1: no that would be cool
0: or uh like an eagle maybe
1: it's not eagle season oh I guess not yeah. yeah, occasionally they hang around if they have babies, but it's pretty late at this point. I didn't see any.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, so so Abby is from uh, Alton, Illinois, which is um, just east of St. Louis in Illinois, so which makes, it's a suburb of St. Louis, making up the metro east. And, um, it's a it's a pretty neat little town in my opinion it's me too
1: uh,
0: yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh I don't know if anyone's uh i'll first start off by this I think it was on Ripley's believe it or not a long time ago they had the world's tallest man like a segment on there. i'm gonna mess up his name, but it's is it uh it's Robert Waldo.
1: Wadlow.
0: And that's his last name?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, okay, I was thinking that was his middle name.
1: No, his middle name is Pershing. Oh, I uh, like that
2: name. Oh, Robert Pershing
1: Wadlow.
0: Okay, and he was, what, eight foot one or something like that?
1: Eight feet, 11 inches, and still oh, growing at goodness. the time. Yeah, he just kept kept
2: growing, which is why he died. Dang. <laughs>
1: Well, he he had an overactive pituitary gland, um, but he was, I think he was 21 when he died, or almost 21. Yes. Um, What happened was he had to have, obviously, special shoes made, and um, he had rubbed a a blister or a sore um, from his shoe, and that got infected with staph, and that's what killed him.
2: Oh, I thought it was like his heart gave out, or no, that's the other big guy, the guy we watched that documentary on.
0: That was, uh, she's thinking of Andre the Giant. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. With people with giantism, their heart just gets out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. infection.
0: And also, if anyone ever goes to Alton, Illinois, they have a a statue of him, and they made, like, a replica-sized statue of him and his, the size of his chair, and it was, it's huge.
2: I think yeah. I came up like exactly to his crotch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh it's incredible and yeah, I guess how revered is he there? I mean, I guess I mean besides the statue and all that, is there any other things i missing out or
1: Um well we have a little museum um and there are some some things I guess that he owned there. Um, I can't really th- think of anything else. There's, um, they have, I think, a celebration. I don't know if it's for his birthday or just to remember him somehow at the old bakery brewery. I think they have, like, a, a Wadlow celebration or something at a certain time of year. Um, but it's it's kind of a big deal in Alton. Um, most people grow up hearing the name and, um... You know, knowing he was from Alton and visiting the statue.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, if you meet someone from Alton, that's like the first thing they'll tell you oh,
0: about we, Alton. Yeah. I was looking on Wikipedia. There's a lot of famous people from Alton, surprisingly.
1: There are.
0: Considering I, it's it's not that big of a town.
1: It's a yeah, city, we, right? It's a city. Yeah. yeah. We we have some interesting history. Um, Miles Davis was right. born in Alton. Um, I saw that. Mm-hmm. There's some
0: like sports players. Ezekiel Elliott is from Alton.
1: Yes. I, read, I didn't know that.
2: Wasn't yeah. one of the. Oh my gosh. What's his name? Elijah Lovejoy or something.
1: Elijah Lovejoy um, was not from Alton, but we he's he's a big deal too. Um, he was an abolitionist. And he was a, a white abolitionist who had a newspaper um, in, in Missouri, and he was printing, you know, abolitionist-type things in his newspaper. Missouri was a slave state. Illinois was a free state. Um, he was getting death threats in Missouri. And I think he was in St. Charles. And so he decided to move his family to Alton, And, um, it wasn't any better in Alton. It's not that far away. And even though it was a free state, there were a lot of, um, you know, Southern sympathizers and also Alton businesses did a lot of, uh, trading with, um, Southern businesses. And so actually when Lovejoy moved to Alton and started putting out this newspaper that circulated the country, um, the, some of the Southern businesses boycotted the Alton businesses and it, it sent Alton into a depression. Oh, and wow. um, I had always heard that, um, that I, I know that Alton was supposed to be the capital of Illinois at one point, And they wow. started construction um, for the, the Capitol building. Um, but Lovejoy's death I I heard was the main reason why Alton didn't ultimately become the capital because they didn't want to be, you know, when did they want their capital to be um, associated with a a city of murderers (laughs) because it was a big deal it was a big deal at the time like you know everybody yeah. throughout the country knew what had happened so um yeah they actually they they murdered um, i guess i skipped over that part but they they murdered him um, after they threw his printing press into the mississippi river um he Dang. had like
2: three probably maybe still like, there.
1: yeah probably two or three of them that had been um uh th- people had broken in and, you know, thrown him into the river. And so um, he had another one delivered and he and some friends stood guard. And um, when the mob came to to get rid of that one, a fight broke out and he was shot and killed. Dang. Yeah. And this
0: was 1800s, right? This was 1800s.
1: um, Pre-Civil War. Oh, pre-Civil War, yeah. Oh, wow. I think it might have been... Hence the
2: abolitionists.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 1830s.
0: Dang. So yeah, that's rough then. Yeah. Don't be
1: in Mississippi then. Well. Apparently, don't be in Alton either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you weren't
2: gonna be. Uh, you yeah. weren't gonna be in Mississippi and not be enslaved then. so. Yeah,
0: that's true. It's fine. Or, or 1930.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole different story.
0: <laughs> yeah but anyway
2: Jesse, Jesse's Racism Hour no I'm Jesse's just saying talk on that, racism.
0: I'm just saying that Mississippi abolished slavery but they just low-key didn't listen to that you know well <laughs> but anyways
2: that's a whole nother story
0: Um. also um, when me and Abby were talking about doing this interview she mentioned some besides that history topic she mis- mentioned some other historical topics I read this as well. Um, I forget the name of the guy, but um, the guy who assassinated Martin Luther King is actually from Alton.
2: Wait, the guy who they said assassinated
1: uh, him, right? He he was convicted. Of, convicted. Are, I believe he was. Or he? I don't know if he took a plea deal or what it was, but he's he's the one that. Um, If you look up who killed Martin Luther King, it's James Earl Ray, who was from Alton.
2: Yeah. That's what the CIA wants you to believe. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Jesse's conspiracy Uh, hour. Conspiracy theories aside.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, me and Jill went to that uh, the Lorraine, Is it the hotel? Motel. Motel in
1: Memphis. Yeah,
2: and you could see the window where the shooter where they say the shooter
1: was yeah in the boarding house across the street there
2: so what's the deal with what was his name James Earl Ray
1: James Earl Ray yeah why Uh, did he he,
2: want to kill MLK
1: I think he was just just a racist plain
2: old racist okay I
1: think so Um, you know how
2: sometimes people have like you know like really outlandish reasons you know for wanting to do things like that someone wanted to assassinate a president. So a movie star would love them or something, you know, I didn't know. if it was
1: Right. No, I don't think so. I think it was just a racism issue. Um, he was born poor, um, and into a, to a poor family. He was the oldest of several children and his, his dad had some issues with the law and they had to end up leaving Alton. I think when he was around seven or something like that and James Earl Ray, um, Because his dad had passed a bad check. And so they moved to Missouri and changed their name. And then um, when James grew up, he was in the military for a little while. He was discharged for, um, I think he just, like, wasn't able to adapt very well to military life or something like that. Um, But he definitely had some run-ins with the law. He robbed a Kroger store in St. Louis. And then he was um, in jail in Missouri, I think, and actually escaped um, and kind of went all over different places of the country, went down to Mexico, and then um, changed his name and came back into the United States and um, committed that crime, allegedly.
0: Goodness.
1: Yeah. Sounds like a real fun guy. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a sordid history.
0: (laughs) Yeah, goodness. And uh, in another topic that I did talk, that I was thinking about, um, well, I guess, uh, is there any other historical Alton stuff that you could think of, Abby? I mean, um, or historical. do we want to...
2: Is it on the list about how haunted it is? It's like is America's it haunted? Most, like haunted city or something? It is, is Alton.
1: Well, I have not personally encountered a ghost in Alton. Um, How you had a
2: ghoul it... in your attic? <laughs> oh man! Oh man! <laughs> I,
1: I had a I had a pretend ghost in my attic. Yes. Um, but yeah, Alton is supposed to be one of the most haunted small towns in uh, the country, and some of that is because it you know it does have a rich history, and it has. Uh, History that ties to the Civil War. There was a Confederate prison in Alton. Um, a lot of I didn't know that. Yeah, um, there's still it's there's part of it downtown still. Um, you can go up and read about it and see the the remaining like. structure. Um, a lot of uh, prisoners actually died there. There was a smallpox outbreak. Um, yep, and so some of them are buried. Um, in the there was an island in the Mississippi that's not there anymore, um, but they were buried there. And then there are some that are buried in town. There's a Confederate um, cemetery as well. Um, and then Alton is is built on um, yeah. on top of limestone, which is if you're into you know hauntings and things like that. Apparently, limestone is like a good conductor of spirits or something somehow. Oh, yeah. yes. I don't know. Conductors. Plus, um it's I've also heard, I don't know if this is a 100% fact, but um I've heard that the um the bricks from the the Confederate prison were actually taken and used to build different um buildings and houses in the area. So supposedly maybe those are haunted bricks i don't know and um also there were some underground railroad stops in alton as well so i don't know if anybody thinks that anything like that would would contribute to hauntings in the area but um definitely a lot of history it's an old town with a lot that's happened
2: well i know that if
1: i were a confederate
2: soldier who died in a prison i would 100 percent choose bricks to haunt Yeah. Hundred percent. It is kind of a
0: it is kind of like a brick town a bit, isn't it? There's
2: like brick roads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean that makes a lot of sense though, reusing those bricks. You're not gonna just throw away good bricks. No. Especially yeah. But also can we talk about how there's an underwater cemetery of Confederate soldiers in the Mississippi
1: now? That's ew. I mean, I would imagine that they've all washed away. I would imagine, but yeah, there's a marker over on the Missouri side of the river in West Alton that that tells a little bit more about that.
0: Mm. Ooh. Weird. That's. Yeah. I hope nobody's pulled up some, you know, oh, decrepit yeah. corpse.
1: Oh,
2: yeah, it it happens boats. usually
1: <laughs> once a summer. There's yeah. something pops up. Yeah, just Confederate Confederate
0: bones. So you, so you guys, you guys don't swam, talk about it. You guys <laughs> swam with some Confederate soldiers. We we
2: swim in a. Abby doesn't swim in the Mississippi. No. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I I swim, but I get scared that my foot's going to, like, brush against a car or something. I don't know why. It just creeps me out. Um, A car? There's cars at the bottom of the Mississippi. Sure. There's
1: everything at the bottom of the Mississippi. Yeah. And now I'm going to be
2: thinking about my foot brushing against a printing press. Yeah. Yeah. Now (laughs) as scary as a car. I don't know why, but cars underwater, even if I'm not in them, just the thought of it just really creeps me out.
0: You're going to try to bring back the abolitionist uh, newspaper. Yeah.
2: I'm going <laughs> to find that printing press and I'm going to be rich.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so, so you're saying that, that that prison was for Confederate soldiers? I mean, that might sound like yeah. a dumb question, but yeah. Yeah,
2: correct. yeah. because Illinois was part of the Union.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Hashtag Lincoln. Land of Lincoln. Yeah, of course, Lincoln
1: Lincoln visited Alton, I don't know how many times, also. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. There was a debate there, um, I think, when he was oh, running yeah. for for state senate. He, Wasn't he it debated.
2: kind of a famous debate?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's famous only because I hear a lot about it living here or not. Um, it was with uh, against Stephen Douglas, and I, I believe it was yeah. for state senate. I thought that was and for president.
2: For I don't know. I'm gonna have to no, look that up
1: because I Lincoln,
2: I I definitely have heard of that, and I don't know why I would hear about yeah. state cynics, because I don't I'm not from Alton.
1: Yeah, but you're from Illinois, so maybe in yeah. history or something. I don't know, but I do believe that Lincoln lost that election.
2: Stephen Douglas. Yeah, I don't even remember anything about him, which yeah. I guess says a lot. He was kind
1: of he was kind of short and stout, and of course Lincoln was tall and lean. So um, it was kind of funny because uh, my my brother, when he was little, you know, he was kind of he was sh- obviously he was he was small, so he was kind of short and chunky. And my cousin Matt was very like tall and skinny. They're very far apart in age. But uh, we used to call them Lincoln and Douglas. That's cute. Oh, man. So, yeah. Oh. Your brother was never chunky, though. No, he but was he was like little. he like three, two or three. Oh, or okay. Like yeah. That and well, that's you know quite a bit older, but yeah, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah,
0: cool. So, um, have they ever done a Ghost Adventures in Alton? You
1: but... know, they have. They have done some uh, filming for different shows. I don't know if it was. Ghost adventures, but there have been different shows. Um, I try to watch them when they come on. Um, there's uh, a very famous haunted house called the McPike Mansion that um, has been on TV, um, as well as the Milton School that is supposed uh. to be haunted too. Um, there's a the Mineral Springs Hotel downtown. Um, some some people supposedly died there um and apparently we haunted do
2: tour there together abby didn't
1: did we, you go like, with me
2: i think so didn't we go down in the swimming pool in the basement i don't remember you be
1: i, I did that tour with my mom and john schwan and jolie i didn't think that you i didn't rem- remember you being there i've
2: definitely been in that swimming pool okay but i don't know if it was with- maybe i did it with Lindsay maybe i think they maybe. offered to turn out the lights and leave us in there and i was like oh nope. man i was gonna Ran say away.
1: i'm surprised you did it at all
0: creepy yeah
2: well i mean i got peer pressured into a lot of things in high school
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah but you know which one ghost adventures is abby
1: um i know i've heard of it but I. Can't. it's
0: like the buff white guy
1: it's like, the most dramatic thing
2: you'll ever see in your life. You, like, okay. hear, like...
0: He, like, antagonizes the ghost. He, like, tries to make a mad. Yeah.
1: Or... Yeah, they might have been the ones that came. Yeah. <laughs> I and, know there was somebody really dramatic.
0: And he, like So can, dramatic. And he, like, embellishes a lot of things, yeah. almost, like...
2: I love watching it because you'll hear, like... A roach scutter by or something, and they'll be like, "Whoa!" and just like run <laughs> down the hallway, like fling their equipment, and they're like, "Did you hear that, man?" It's like, dude, that was a moth.
1: Like, chill yeah. out. But it's so entertaining. Yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah. I there was a show I watched, and I don't know which one it was. I don't remember, but I it was a few months ago um, that I watched it, and they were at the Mineral Springs Hotel, and apparently a an evil ghost had latched on to this one guy and he had to sit with the, the psychic and get like deghosted. I don't know. Um, I mean I, I've no. walked around that place I don't know how many times and no evil ghost attached itself to me. So I guess you're just don't not know. evil enough. Uh, yeah, I'm not special enough. I don't know.
0: Yeah. But um the this guy came down here to Louisiana to there's a there's this like hotel plantation called the myrtles Mm -hmm. and uh i just want to give you an example of what it was like so there was a, a segment of the show where there's a worker at the myrtles and the guy goes up to him and he's like, "You practice voodoo, don't you?"
2: He didn't even work there. They just like oh, found him. Oh, maybe like, he was Bring like like the voodoo guy. Yeah,
0: he was like a friend of the yeah. or of the manager and the manager said she didn't know anyone who practiced voodoo. And then she, the guy like just admitted that he did he practices voodoo, the set and the third. It seemed awfully like
2: he just wanted on
0: TV staged,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: fabricated. Yeah, or, he was answering
2: know. things that were like, they'd be like, So, do you do this? And yeah. he'd be like, Yes, we do that.
0: They're just trying to build up the show and stuff,
1: yeah, it's, yeah, hit zero
2: and go about it.
1: I always liked Ghost Hunters because I felt like they went in trying to disprove. Yeah, they seem like, much more scientific. Yeah. Their yeah. their their whole thing was, you know, we're gonna go in assuming that there's not an actual haunting going on and trying to prove that as opposed to like, oh, this is you know super haunted and we're gonna show all, all the ways that it's haunted.
2: But in a way that's like super boring TV because at the end it's like, yeah, turns out this wasn't haunted. And it's like, why'd I watch this for an hour then?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I could just yeah. watch you tour my own house.
0: Like, they That's also, true. they also came to the Myrtles and
2: yeah, theirs was much less uh, dramatic.
0: Yeah, it was
2: still good. It was an entertaining episode, though. It was yeah. interesting. I I do like how they kind of you learn the history of some different places.
0: Yeah, but it, yeah. it was interesting. I think they're out of Massachusetts, so that was kind of cool. Um, so. Um, is there anything else about Alton we should know, uh,
1: Abby? Oh gosh, I could probably go on about Alton all day, but uh, we don't have that kind of time. But no. Luther is <laughs> sleeping on my
2: hand waiting for dinner. Oh. <laughs>
1: um, the Piasa bird's pretty interesting, though. Oh well, yeah, tell uh, us the Piasa yeah. story. Yeah, so um, the, the Piasa bird story was recorded um, when... Marquette and Juliet came, came down the Mississippi and um, this, the, the legend goes that there was a, an Indian chief, Chief Watoga and he um, his tribe the children kept getting snatched up by this dragon bird and um, they eventually killed it and, of course, stopped this, you know, their children from getting taken from them. And it, my version is way less interesting than if you actually read the entire thing. I can't remember all the details, but it's, it's, it's a neat little legend. I and, can help um, out with some of the details. Yes, please do. So the
2: Saw bird is, like Abby said, a dragon bird. It's like part dragon, part bird. It has, like, antlers of a deer. And um, you might know this better than me, but... Uh, Marquette and Juliet, how they found about out about it, right? Is that they saw its image painted on the bluffs? I think that's right? true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which they recorded in their journals, which is like 1600, 1700, something like that. Oh
1: wow. And,
2: uh, but the legend is that uh, the pious bird originally uh, just hunted other animals, you know, typical bird of prey. But one day, it had it accidentally or purposely, or was starving, couldn't find other food, got a child from the tribe and developed the taste for flesh It oh. never, and never stopped wanting to have human flesh again as a soul, you know, often with cannibal stories. Um, once you have human, you can't go back. Um, <laughs> so it kept attacking the tribe and how chief, I don't know how to say his name. Watoga. What- um, what- how they got it is that he sacrificed himself or was going to sacrifice himself by, um, going out in a field alone where it was hunting and looked vulnerable, didn't have any spears, um, and had his warriors uh, hidden so that it could try and attack the Piasau bird and kill it, he would be the bait, um, you know, so that they could hopefully kill it even if it killed him first. Um, and I, I think he ended up surviving and they were managed to surprise the Piasau bird and, and take it down.
1: I think that they shot oh, with wow. the arrows, maybe. Oh, poison. Was that a thing?
2: Oh, that good. sounds dramatic, so I that like it. A thing.
1: Yeah. Your your version was much more dramatic, Jill. Thank you.
2: Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, for some reason, I remember that the chief was like important because he like, was going to sacrifice himself for the good of the tribe.
1: Okay. Yeah. And they, they still have a painting of the Pious Suburb on the bluff that's really important. It's been moved a couple times, but Alton really wants to always keep that Piasa bird up there on the bluff where it was when Marquette and Juliet came through.
2: Uh, A fun tidbit about Jill and my ridiculous uh, eyesight, which is horrible. Apparently he has a scaly tail, the Mm Piasa bird. It's like golden scales and it's super long. I am apparently the only person who went 25 years to 30 years thinking that that was a rope (laughs) that he was just like that for some reason the artist was just like yeah let's just have him perched on a rope no it's his tail wrapped around him it like goes under his feet so I thought he was like I don't know hanging out like on a like (laughs) pigeons on a telephone wire
1: it's (laughs) funny how you how you see things one way and then it's like you just always get that way
2: Yeah, I still refuse to believe it's a tale. It's (laughs) it's nothing like a tale, but who am I to criticize a mythical beast drawing? Funny.
0: Yeah. And um, also, audience, Abby is a a teacher at a Montessori school, which Mm is pretty neat. I don't know. I'm sure most people aren't familiar with what Montessori means. I have, I kind of forgotten, but I've, I listened to a podcast about, uh, it's a
2: person's name. Yeah, yeah. about uh-huh.
0: the Miss Montessori from Italy and Me? how she came up with, with the uh, Montessori school. I mean, she is probably one of the, you know, early feminists in my yeah. Opinion. Like she, the, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, she definitely was. She, um, was the first female doctor in Italy, Dr. Maria Montessori and, uh uh-huh. And she was a medical doctor. Um, and she was almost denied entry to the medical school, but they eventually let her in. And of course she had kind of a hard time from her male peers, but, um, she graduated and was the first female medical doctor. She was sent into, um, In an Italian slum to um, care for the physical needs of the children there because at the time this is late 1800s early 1900s at the time kids did not go to school until they were six years old and could go to kindergarten so there were no preschools no um Daycares and the parents had to leave and go to work, so these young kids were just kind of running around by themselves for um, most of the day. And so she was sent in to just kind of check on them physically and see if they, you know, were sick or needed medical attention in any way. And as she was working with these kids, she started thinking about how she could um, kind of get them on track with education because she saw, the more she worked with them, she she saw how interested they were in learning things. And she did a lot of observations and, um, you know, concluded that kids could learn at a pretty young age. And she developed her own um, materials for them to work with. And she just noted how concentrated they would be on certain tasks. And um, she involved a lot of practical life activities In her education. So they would learn how to do things that adults did. Um, Instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, an adult pouring a drink from a glass pitcher, the young child two or three would learn to do that. And if they broke it, that's just Part of life and learning, and you clean it up, and you get a new one. You you do it again, and kids are taught from a young age to clean up after themselves and dress themselves. And um, you know, kids are really capable of a lot more than than adults really think that they are. And so um, that she she went on to develop schools throughout Italy, and then eventually throughout Europe, and then in the United States, um, kind of based on. On that ideology. And um, it's kind of interesting because what schools do today, Montessori did um, earlier. She was big on having um, everything child sized, child sized tables, child sized chairs. Um, Those kinds of things, I guess, weren't really made at that time. Um, It was just kind of adult sized everything. And she of course, developed a lot of her own manipulatives and really encouraged kids to get out of get out of their seat. And, you know, if they wanted to go work on the carpet, they could go work on the carpet or if they felt like moving to this table, they could do that. So it was very flexible seating. It was very hands on. And you hear a lot about that in education today. Uh, wanting it to be more hands-on um, teachers trying to do flexible seating and things like that. And that's just something that, you know, over a hundred years ago was being done in Montessori schools when a lot of students were sitting and memorizing, you know, it was, it was rote and you had to be quiet and sit still and all of that. So um, she was really a pioneer in the field and um, it's, it's neat to work at a Montessori school because, um, you really, the, the kids are, uh, they, they learn to be self-disciplined. There are certain things that they are expected to accomplish throughout the day, but they choose the order in which they do them. And, you know, to some degree they can go work with materials on the carpet if they'd like, or, um, you know, kind of just make some of those decisions. And then we, of course, incorporate the practical life skills too. Everybody has a job in the classroom. We have animals in the classroom specifically so that they can be cared for by the students and they learn how to do all of that um, at an early wow. age. Yeah, wow. they're responsible for for putting their, their lunches together at lunchtime. Um, we have a full kitchen. And so parents may send things that have to be heated up or um you know put together in a particular way and as of course we assist kids as needed but as much as they can do independently we let them do we teach them how to do things um you know our kids are taught from the before they get to me I teach six through nine-year-olds all together in the same classroom before they get to me they have experience usually working with knives and cutting things um I mean, you obviously have to have to monitor and have to make sure they know what they're doing. You don't just send yeah. loose with a knife, but True. you know, they, <laughs> they have been taught how to do those things. And it's just, it's not something that a lot of people think about like, oh, you know, I wouldn't ever let this six or seven year old try to cut something up on their own. Um, but if they've been taught how to do it, they usually do it and do it well. And, um, you know, we, te- we incorporate cooking at, at our level too. Um, oh, cool! which is really cool. Yeah. And it, it's just considered part of the curriculum, but the kids um, usually a few times a year will participate in cooking activities too. And that's not something that I did until much later in life. So I think it's yeah. really neat that we expose our kids to, to things like that. There's just a lot of cool opportunities. That's, it's a neat setup and I enjoy working there.
0: Well, I think the old model of learning is dying, like uh, mm-hmm. you know, books and that sort of thing. It's, books are dead. Well, I'm not saying books are <laughs> dead, but I mean, most people aren't gonna like read a book and learn a skill. Like most people, are, I mean, not most people, but some people have a difficulty doing that. And I, I would say, I learn better doing things hands on or you know, like somebody showing me along the way or something like that. I learn faster that way. I think that's something that all schools should do. I mean, honestly, it's. I think you would have more, like, involvement with the students. I mean, I think kids are going to respond more positive. I think that's going to keep down... uh, you know, like, dropout rates and that sort of thing. If if it was, like, this kind of model rather than the current model, like, kids lose interest.
2: Also, at least from my, my experience, I was homeschooled, so it's a little different.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: also similar in the sense that, like, we chose when we did what and we just yeah. had to get it done. Um, I feel like it would cut down on discipline issues because I would have gotten in so much trouble having to sit at a desk all day and do things in the order people told me to do whereas me getting to do my own thing and finishing Mm -hmm. as fast as I want or you know take a break when I want
1: right I you
2: know it's not it's it's not something that needs to be
1: disciplined right and there are you know kids especially at those younger ages that just have a lot of energy and they need to get up and move around and they're able to do that. Um, also it's, it's neat because, excuse me, um, Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, traditional education and let it be said that I have nothing against public schools and traditional education because that's mostly what I did. I felt like it served me well. Um, but just another way of looking at things, um, you know, in, in traditional education, now they're trying to differentiate curriculum and um, gear it towards individual students and make it more individualized. Um, whereas Montessori has been doing that from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's neat because I have, like I said, three or sorry, six through nine year olds, and they're all together in the classroom. The younger ones learn from the older ones. The older ones help the younger ones. And they're all doing different things. Even if they're in the same grade, they're not all working on the same things. They work on what they need to work on for their pace. So I may have first graders who are reading at a middle school level and they're able to do, you know, reading work that's higher level like that. Sometimes I may have second or third graders who are reading at a first grade level and that's okay too. We just work with them where they are. So even within those different grade levels, they're doing different things and it's just very much geared towards them as individuals, which is how I think education should be. And it's sometimes a little bit more challenging to kind of try to plan for things Mm -hmm. and you know it's just there's a lot going on so it can be challenging but I also just really believe that that's how it should be so you know it's yeah. it's neat
0: yeah that's pretty cool um I really I I enjoyed that model I think over uh like i have just I remember the podcast I listened to it's just I mean it's been a while since I heard it but I mean it's it's a pretty I remember think being a, like it's a pretty cool idea wasn't she like a a psychologist originally from when I or was that before psychology was a she thing was a medical doctor yeah medical doctor okay I
1: believe she was a medical doctor. I don't know if she had some other kind yeah. of education on top of that she probably was
2: I would imagine that she would be one of the influencers of child psychology. I don't yeah. know if it was around mm-hmm. then, but it's yeah, I'm sure, a well, lot yeah. of her
1: theories. Yes. Yeah. Because she talks about the different ages and the different mindsets that children have at those ages and, um, the absorbent mind when they're very young and they're just kind of absorbing things in their environment and then the reasoning mind when they kind of get to be the age that I teach um, and they're really concerned about justice and um, they may even start lying um, they may try you know they're kind of trying things out they're seeing what their peers do and they try those things out and so it's really an interesting thing to kind of watch him go from the absorbent mind to the reasoning mind and yeah she she did a lot of observations um to kind of come up with with things like that too so it's just it's very interesting all around
0: yeah well abby um you gave us uh 48 minutes and uh, i think this is a, a good stopping point abby and um Thanks for coming on uh, this week's episode, and um, You're welcome. I hope you I hope you had a good ch- a good time doing I this.
1: Did. And, I did. Uh, I I like to talk about Alton <laughs> and education, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, um, thanks for coming on, and um, uh, I hope uh, if I hope uh, in the future or later down the road we can get you on again. So sounds great. All right. Thanks.
1: Have a good one. Thanks, Jesse. Bye, Jill. Uh, Wait, are we hanging up or are
0: we going to stop recording? We're going to hang up.
2: Okay, bye, Abby. Love you. Bye, love you.
0: Bye. 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 I just wanted to um, thank Abby for coming on this week's episode of the Ramblin' Ronalds podcast. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. It's a a little different. Um, We usually don't do, like, history stuff, but, um... I hope you guys found it interesting. Nevertheless, um, it, it is our good friend Abby up there in Alton, Illinois. So I hope you guys enjoyed her episode. I enjoyed her episode. It was a uh, cool learning about that kind of stuff. Um, also, if anyone wants to, uh, you know, be on the podcast that knows me well, or you know, just you know, wants to be on the podcast, period. Um, you can find me on, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, Facebook. On Facebook, it's Jesse Runnels. On Instagram, it's Jesse.Runnels. And on Twitter, it's Jesse underscore Runnels. Um, so, um, please follow me on Twitter. I want to get my followers up on Twitter, especially. Um, If you guys have any subject matter content-wise that you would like to hear on the podcast, please email me at ramblinrunnels at gmail.com or just direct message me on the various social media platforms. I would like to hear some subject matter for this week's episode, for next week's episode. I never get any emails on Ramblin' Runnels, but it would be nice if you guys would actually would. Um... Also, please, um, like and subscribe to the podcast on Google Play, um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, aka iTunes, um, Spotify, it's on Stitcher, I think you can play it from your, uh, what, what is it, the Amazon thing, the Echo Dot, uh, whatever it's called, Alexa. So, um, please, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Abby Diener, and I hope you guys, I enjoyed it as much as you. Get. Hopefully, you guys will enjoy it. And uh, thanks for listening.